Hey everybody, welcome back to Letterman Row. I am Austin Ward. This is Letterman Live, brought to you by our good friends at Roosters. Still open for all your carry-out, take-out needs as uh, Columbus and Ohio starts opening everything back up. Maybe we'll be back uh, into our favorite restaurant in Columbus soon. Justin Zwick uh, joining us again this week, former Ohio State quarterback. You know uh, Mr. Anthony Schlegel attacking and dominating with all gas, no brakes. Right. Uh, down, down at his shop and my buddy uh, Jeremy Birmingham uh, we are back again. Guys, I, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I almost felt like April just started a couple days ago. I don't – times to have no – is no concept for me anymore. Like March was miserable and April, I don't know what happened to it. It, it. Am I alone with that? How's it going for you in quarantine, Jay-Z? Uh, if I didn't have a birthday coming up in May, I wouldn't know what month it was. <laughs> this, this is just uh, – it's been nuts. I've been in the house. I'm, you've been golfing, at least, I think, right? A lot, yeah. I, I haven't been out of the house. I haven't swung the sticks yet to this year. So, it just uh, 2020 or 2020 is just – it's off to a weird start, that's for sure. I had a kid to start the year, and then, boom, we're locked down for like three months. It's been crazy. All right, I'll make sure that uh, we send you the invite for the next tea time. That's been my one sh- saving grace every weekend. Uh, Schlegs, I know you're just attacking and dominating in the gym, so everything's fine with you. Yeah, life is good. You know, I mean, I've, I'm slinging machines. I got to ship like 30, 30 units today, and it's been kind of cool watching, you know, the value of something that you created. And then now, like I shipped one for a guy for the Seahawks that's training out of California. I got the Vegas Raiders guys getting them. I got some Dolphins. I got a Titan Steeler, like all these other things. And then schools are getting them because they can't have the reps. So, one, yeah, I'm training. Two, I'm slinging product. Three, that I'm working at the farm and, you know, it's been a good thing of what are the things that you really enjoy doing, right? Like you guys enjoy golfing, right? Like I like to play golf, but guess what? I like to shoot bows and guns and, and mow and ride a tractor and listen to country music. Like, so I know that's what I like to do. And if you invited me to go golf, I'm like, no, cause I want to go do, I want to work on my day off for 14 hours. You know, it's like, it's just, I'm weird, but it's okay. Yeah. In shape. Slags has been now. Uh gearing up his whole life for isolation (laughs) he's building a bunker down on that farm i think i mean honestly i'm this close right like hey listen guys circle the wagons come to the farm let's get some chickens let's start you guys want to you know have some horses let's freaking let's get into steer steer wrestling man i'll i'll do that as a second career side hustle you know amazing (laughs) I figured that you were going to be challenging the mountain and the deadlift pull-off over the weekend. How about that, right? Like, that guy deadlifted, I think it was like 1,000 – what was it, 1,009? It was 500 kilograms. I don't even know. Do the math. It's like 2.4. Whatever that is. Yeah. What's your heaviest deadlift, legs? 750. Dang. I was 220. But, you know, I was also probably like 30 years old, so that was probably like nine years ago. And I think I did it in a pair of Wranglers or Carhartts. You know, well, I wouldn't expect anything else. What else do you even lift Yeah, it's car hearts. I, I, I took my boots off, though, because I wanted to get, like, an extra inch, like, lower. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, so car hearts and a, captain's a hat and a back slap. That's all I needed. I don't do the smelling salt thing. I just like a salt, you know, there's an art to the back slap, you know, and it just makes you feel alive. And then – yeah, it stings a little bit, but it takes your mind away from what you got to do, and then you just lift it, and then you set it down, and you're just like, oh, you know. Well, this is the definition of a fun, casual conversation. We haven't even got into Ohio State yet. It's been tough because there just hasn't been uh, a lot to update. Obviously, 
you know, those three practices that we talked about over and over from, from March. And, you know, the Big Ten uh, just today announced that there would be no more on-campus activities for any sport until at least June 1st. So you can mark that date on the calendar as the next opportunity. So beyond that, it's just a lot of, you know, debating and rehashing what's going on elsewhere because there's no we've, – we've had Schlegs break down what he can do, what these guys can do on the road and working out in the machines. And Justin's talked about the quarterback depth chart. So now it's become this season of uh, embracing debate. And Verm and I had talked about this a little bit. Last week this overriding topic was if Urban Meyer had underachieved at Ohio State. And I, I find this to be just an absolutely crazy idea. He and I both talked about that and offered our thoughts. But I, I thought it was interesting enough, uh, Schlegs and Jay-Z, from your perspective and being in the program and Schlegs having worked with Urban, just this idea that a team that won a national championship, produced all these guys that went to the NFL, won multiple Big Ten championships, that that somehow wasn't good enough is just hard for me to wrap my mind around. So, uh, Schlegs, I'll start with you. When those stories come out or when people have that conversation – what is your reaction? Well, you know, one, I'm a master debater, right? So, you know, with this, right, I'm, I'm looking at, one, I was there for it. Two, um, to say that he underachieved is just, it's crazy talk, right? So I, I want to go back to when he, took the, when he took the gig, right? Do you think he takes the gig knowing that he's not going to be able to play for a national championship his first year? Like, he took a team – right? Theoretically, that went six and seven. I was a part of that. I also killed four deer that year because we were losing. And I basically fed every intern in the building and taught them how to skin an animal and stuff like on the back of my truck outside the Woody. But we, went <laughs> we were seven. six and seven that year. <laughs> that wasn't why. That wasn't why. It had nothing to do with what I was doing in there. I was <laughs> killing it, right? But anyways, so we go six and seven and then we go 12 and 0. Right, if we're actually able to play in that national championship before the college football playoff came out, it would have been us in Notre Dame, and we probably would have beaten Notre Dame. It wouldn't have been Alabama and Notre Dame. It would have been us because I think Alabama had a loss, it and it would have been us in Notre Dame in the national championship, probably win it. So there's two, right? Then you go through on the some of the one-loss seasons that we had, and you're a Big Ten champion, and yet you still don't get in, right? And so I think that at the end of the day – taking our conference schedule, what it is, and then still having one loss and an SEC team getting in over us, like that kind of put that, those the 15th season, right? Our one loss, Michigan State at home, awful conditions. The type of team that we had definitely could have made a run in, those, in that two-game series, right? So to think that he underachieved, like his record, the greatest record, in seven years at Ohio State, going 7-0 and versus that team up north. Then we have to start thinking about what de- what defines success as a Buckeye fan, right? Is it beating our rival every single year? Check that off the box. Is it winning national championships and being a contender, right, every single year? Yeah, he did that. Bringing the dudes in, having the talent. There's probably a hint. There's probably – five programs in the country that can have that it can accumulate the amount of talent that we have at Ohio State mm-hmm. that's it and so you want to be in that conversation at the end of the year you want to have a chance to be one of the four teams he always put us put us in a position to be able to go do that so to say he underachieved no I I, I completely disagree with that and that would be my reasoning and then you look at the development 
of the guys and what they do at the next level because you have to look at that because that's why we get the type of recruits that we get. Right? So it's the development side. It's being in the conversation at the end of the year side. It's winning conference championships. It's winning the national championships. All that put together, no, 100% he didn't underachieve. Do you think, though, that the success – Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL right now. When he was at Ohio State, he was good, but they didn't use I mean, do you think the success that the, his guys have had in the NFL make people look back and say, how in the heck did we even lose a football game back then? I mean, we got the best running back in the NFL. We got the best receiver in the NFL. You know, I mean, linemen all over, you know, getting paid from Ohio State. Does that have something to do, Schlegs, do you think? And people looking at it and saying, they lost games when these guys were all at Ohio State. How, how did they do that? Well, I think that one, like Michael Thomas had the skill set, but he also grew when he got to the league. And that's how they, like his system, right, in New Orleans allowed for that greatness to be, you know, like shown, right? You have to go look at the system and the fits of what the head coach is comfortable with, right? Like when Dwayne came we were able to completely change our offense, right? But, like, that's kind of where you have to have the ability to adapt. And I think that Urban really loved his system. It's why he liked the JT Barrett. It's why he liked the Tim Tebow. Like, he was comfortable with that. Now, the one thing that did underachieve was the defensive side of the ball in the two years prior to him exiting. That definitely – held us back, then you could say it wasn't necessarily a talent, but a coaching staff alignment issue. Scheme, a scheme thing. You know what I'm saying? And like, so, so if you want to say there was an area of debate, it would be, why did you have those guys in that position? Right? Like, when Fickle left and Shiano was the D coordinator, and again, I think everybody has different fits, and it's knowing your staff. Like, Shiano, to me, is a head football coach, Right? But as a D coordinator, he was so far removed from that role. And then you're trying to take probably concepts and scheme that he likes to run and pairing that with a defense that Urban likes to run, which is very heavy man-based stuff. And the game was transitioning to more of a zone principle back to what we did with Haycock and D'Antonio and what Michigan State and what Alabama does for a really, really long time and not having the ability to adapt because I want to run this. Right. And then, therefore, you have a defensive coordinator that is looking at his scheme, trying to fit that in, doesn't really understand, trying to fit that in, but then has to communicate to the position coaches what, excuse me, what they need to do, who then has to communicate that to. I I opened my garage door, so beautiful outside at my shop. But, anyways. (laughs) Um, has to communicate that to the players. That's where you saw the gap, right? Communication from the D.C. to the position coach to the player, and that's why you had a defense ranked 50th and 72nd in the country. That hurt us when it came to who should go to the, the you know, college football playoff championship because they're looking at – look at that defense, right? This year, you don't have to. Number one defense, right? Thumbs up, right? So, so you can say they underachieved and, and- – Urban underachieved and maybe his coaching philosophy and getting the defensive coordinator, the defensive staff on the same boat and saying this, you have your scheme you like to run, but we don't have those players to run that scheme. 
instead of saying, all right, well, this is who we have. Let's build our scheme around those guys instead of what you want to do. Yeah, so I, I – and I, I don't like the word underachieving, right? Like, I think that, yeah, like, that's the hardest they thing. They still played at a very high level. They won a lot of football games. They won a lot. I mean, they, I think – what was the year when Dwayne went, right? Where they, they had one loss? I forget. I forget. I got, yep. That was the yeah. Purdue – Purdue yeah, loss. The, the Purdue, Purdue one, right? Lock. And in those, in those years, the difference was of Ohio State, the Iowa loss, the Purdue loss. It was the fact that Alabama doesn't lose those type of games. Clemson doesn't lose. Yeah, they had one really, really close one with North Carolina, right, that went to overtime. Or, no, they went for two, yeah. right, instead Should've. of for going to overtime, right? So it's like – but they still won the game, Right. Or if they lose it, they lose it really, really close, and you can give them the benefit of the doubt, hey, that was a bad day, mm-hmm. right? But for us, those losses on the road at night on TV nationwide set the precedent that Alabama and Clemson or Georgia, they don't lose those type of games, right? They lose them at a very small, to a very small margin. So I think that when you say underachieving or whatever – it was those losses and the ability to adapt, right? What my coach is really comfortable with and my players to say, hey, we need to adapt some certain things. So maybe potentially, I'm not saying this because one, I think Urban Meyer is one of the greatest coaches of all time in college football. And two, what he did at Ohio State was unprecedented. We should be very grateful for what he did here so i don't like debating about things that shouldn't be debated about you know what i'm saying uh, i think it's i'm just gonna, it's so stupid it's like saying that someone's the fact that they're super good looking is why they're ugly like that's oh you're talking this whole conversation starts up because urban myers the, the 2015 football team had 36 guys get drafted from it right so so that's where this conversation starts it's like well maybe if they have that many guys drafted then they really weren't good, or Urban Meyer wasn't good. And it's like, uh, that doesn't make any sense. That's like saying someone is super hot, and that's why they're ugly. That's like last week, uh, since I'm sitting here with nothing to do but follow pop culture, like Chrissy Teigen was criticized by that she was too square, and people were calling her like SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> like, she is a supermodel married to John Legend. What are you talking about? There's no flaw here. Let's leave it alone. But well, that doesn't mean that she is a perfect human being. I mean, obviously, Berm doesn't agree. So, uh, but I don't, like, I don't find her particularly attractive. That's not, that's just either here nor there. Yeah, she's point too, is, too pretty that she's ugly. So, Berm is just as much to blame here. I'll tell you I, what. In, this, in the culture we live in nowadays, everybody finds something wrong with everybody. You know, you can't ever do anything perfect. And, you know, you win how many games? That wasn't enough. You had all these guys go to the NFL. Like, what? I mean, you know, there's always going to be somebody who finds something wrong with uh, with anything out there nowadays. People and probably I, don't like my mustache. You know, I don't know. I can't help them. You I know? think I mean, it's you're, just, still rock, you're still rocking that, Jay-Z. I, if anyone can wear the stash now, apparently it's you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But when you look at this stuff, it doesn't mean, you know, uh, Schlage's brought this up with the coaching staff alignment. Uh, many times I've sat here on the shows and talked about Tabor Johnson and Billy Davis, and those guys – just they didn't get their job done at the level that they wanted to. If you asked Urban Meyer if he made every decision perfect during his tenure in Ohio State or he could have done more and maybe won a second title or a third title, he would agree that that was possible. Berm had him on a couple of weeks ago on Bermanology to talk about it in hindsight and the way that everything played out. And 
you know, he, he's not lining up to publicly criticize those couple hires, but they didn't work out, and he knows that. There was going to be no choice if he had come back for the 2019 season instead of Ryan Day. You know, Billy Davis and Tabor Johnson were not going to be able to stay on that coaching staff. Now, they've, those guys have done it for a long time. They've been in the profession and, and coached numerous places. They, it's not like they forgot entirely what they were doing, but it wasn't connecting at Ohio State, and that was an issue. Well, that, that goes back to that goes back to the D.C., right? And I know Tabor, and Bobby Carpenter knows uh, Billy Davis really well. And like, coaches articulate the scheme, right? I mean, Tabor was there when Justin and I played. Tabor's yeah. a phenomenal coach, right? Billy Davis came from the NFL into Ohio State, right? And now you have the recruiting. And, like, again, it goes back to who's running the defensive side of the ball. Like, that's the defensive coordinator. What is that scheme? And, again, as a leader, you're always going to go back and self-introspect. That's what great leaders do and say, I could have done this better, right? But in the meantime, that's what he did. Now, I will say, and I always, again, super positive juice guy all the time, but, like, the culture, the competitive excellence – the emphasis on the strength conditioning and the nutrition and the training room that he brought in and then bringing in Mickey Marotti and giving him the reins to do what he do what he does in an elite level. Those are the type of things that really allowed for his longevity. And also you have to look at great leaders and like this underachieving aspect of what you have set up the foundation for the next in line to be able to go do right. Ryan Day didn't have to come in here and blow this thing up. It could, it could have looked very, very different. But the standard was there. The personnel was there to have a 2019 season like they had, right? So, so great leaders can go back and look at what could I have done better. But ultimately, the foundation, the culture, the talent was already there. And then to Ryan's day, um, credit said we have a definitive weakness on that side of the ball. Now is the time to make – a wholesale change, but also keep the elite of the elite, which is Larry Johnson, and then bring in some other people, right, to fit those roles. Yeah. That's what he did. And then he also had an opportunity. He couldn't have gone back and got Kerry, right? Kerry went to the Tennessee Titans, which he needed. Like, to go – like, Kerry needed another uh, – all of us need other perspective, right? I talk about, especially in business, being able to see things through a prism – right? Light goes into a prism and it shines differently. I need to take, take a step back and look and evaluate my teaching and what these guys at the NFL need. But then when I come back to Ohio State, I can tell a high, a high school kid, I coach you in high school, your type of kid. I coach your type of kid in college and I coach you when you're in the NFL and here's what I learned. And now I can bring that invaluable, you know, tools that I have back to Ohio State that even brings more credibility and also makes me a better coach. When I sit in that staff room, I've been able to see how we have to bracket this type of wide receiver and how that looks in this different defensive scheme or, or whatever we got to do. I have more experience, Yeah. right? Like, and so it's all those different things. It's also who's on the table that you can go get that fits in our budget, that fits in our culture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And who I'm comfortable with hiring. Like, so all those things we can go back and you can debate them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the dude won football games here and set up the foundation for success for the long run of Ohio State football to be at the top of this game for a long, long time. Yeah. Justin, I think you were talking about this too. Like, you know, 
you have the Michigan State loss in 2015, and if it goes a different way, or if the Michigan-Michigan State game, which everyone always forgets, they lost the tiebreaker because of that fluky play in a game that they weren't even involved in. You know, if, if Michigan doesn't bobble that punt, yeah. you know, Ohio State didn't even need to beat Michigan State to get into the Big Ten Championship. But, but the fact that we can sit here and talk about, you know, a, cu- a couple coaches that didn't work out or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever else, you didn't win a national championship. We're talking about individual losses, like three Michigan State – Purdue, yeah. Iowa, over seven years. Like, we're really nitpicking there, and that, that, to me, tells you how high the standard is. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, when you have so much success, that's all you can – that's all anybody has to look at. So they just dwell on those things. I mean, people forget how hard it is to run the table in college football. I mean, to, to be able – I mean, week in and week out, to have the luck to stay injury-free, to keep all your guys on the field performing at a high level – Throughout a 12-game stretch, it's hard to do. Uh, that's why we don't have a championship every year. I mean, that's things happen, you know. I mean, it's just the way it goes. Now, you know, the last five years with the playoff, you seem to have Clemson and Alabama in there every year. And so Ohio State fans are like, well, we need to be in there every year. And if we're not, it's a failure. Like, no, it's still really hard to get there. They're just doing a really excellent job at, at what they're doing. And they play, you know, Clemson plays in their conference, which – they should run every year, I think, and that's going to put them in that spot. Yeah. I, I, I People just get lost in the, how hard it is. I mean, to go out and win that many games, yeah, you had a lit-down game here or there or a game where you didn't give the ball to Zeke enough or this or that. It's it's the way it goes, and you're going to run into that stuff throughout, throughout seasons. Different things are going to – with different coaches coming in and different philosophies. You know, it's not always going to gel like Schlegs was talking about earlier. You know, you bring some coaches in, it doesn't work out. And – you, you see a loss or you see a, a defense that gives up a lot of yards or a lot of points. It's, it's just the way it goes. I mean, not everything's going to be perfect. You're in a, you know, you're in college football with 18 to 22 year olds who are playing. I mean, you, you just got to remember that it's, it's, these guys got to go out and focus and do everything. And the fact that they won as many games as they did, that shows the culture and, you know, Hey, we got to be zoned in on everything we do every single day because, you know, to win a national championship, that's what you have to do. And, you know, to have four games or whatever it was that you can look back on and say, well, look at this game. Well, how about all the other ones? I mean, give me a break. <laughs> you guys have both played under that microscope at Ohio State where, uh, you know, that, that standard hasn't changed. It's always a national championship or bust for the Buckeyes. That's not changed from, from any, any era of college football. But I wonder if you think, and there's no way to truly answer this probably, that the college football playoff has enhanced that pressure because there's a different – you know, there's a there's basically a new barometer for success with the four teams instead of two or one. I wonder if you think that that's different when we evaluate these teams in the playoff era compared to when you guys were playing. I I think probably because at this point in time, you go into a season, you say, all right, well, we want to have a chance at the playoff. We just got to win the Big Ten. And back in the day, it was we got to win every stinking game on our you know schedule instead of now we have divisions. You know, we got to worry about winning this division so we can be in the Big Ten championship game put on a good show in the Big Ten Championship game, and we're going to be in the playoffs. So I, the mindset probably has changed a little bit. Now, granted, you still want to go out and win every single ball game, and you want to, you know, do that as a yeah. fan. But you also know, hey, if we, if we drop one, as long as we win this side and get to the Big Ten Championship game and are rolling by then, we've seen it in the past, we did that before, you know, that it probably has changed things a little bit. Back in our day, we had to go 
12 and 0. You know, there was no preseason or uh, postseason championship game or anything. It was we beat Michigan and boom, we're going to the Fiesta Bowl. You know, we're going to national championship. Boom, just like that. You know, I mean, it's it's changed things in that way. Yeah, it's put a um, it's put an emphasis like on if you're going to suffer a loss, you got to suffer it early and you got to be hot at the end in the perception that you are rolling. Right. Um, and and that, I think that's where it's now the, the, the end goal is to be in the college football playoff. Right. And if you go look at the standard of Ohio state, it is beat the team up North, win the big, big 10 East, win the big 10, and then the college football playoff. So, you know, again, I go back to that point. What is success? What determines success? Well, now because of the height around the college football playoff championship, there's only four, right? And then you look at the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC as conferences as a whole, 100% significantly weaker conferences than the SEC and the Big 10. The gauntlet that we have to run is significantly more difficult than the other three. Yet, however, we're still battling for four spots out of five out of five power five conferences. Yeah. And then you have the SEC conference when you could potentially have two teams that get in simply because of the strength of their conference, right? So you got so all these different things that you're wrestling with, but you can't lose focus. Like you can't see that you know, vision down the road. It has to be focus on winning the day, right? Individually, win Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, practice, win Friday, go out, execute, win that game, stay healthy, get into the weight room, get in the training room, do all those things to set yourself up for at the end of the day, we will be able to take care of our business and be there because we are Ohio State. We've at least established ourselves that way to where it's significantly easier for us more so than, the Big 12, and the and the Pac-12. Yeah, you guys both played under Jim Trestle, and you know, I mean, his mantra was beat Michigan, win the Big 10. That was really all that mattered. I mean, the, the scope of what is success for Buckeyes fans has changed considerably in the last 20 years. I mean, it used to be beat Michigan, win the Big 10, because there was nothing else you could do, right? I mean, it, it wasn't even up to you if you were then the national champion, it was arbitrary and somebody just voted on it and said, okay, you are, you aren't. But now like you have this playoff, you have this um, responsibility almost as the big 10 champion to get there. And eventually don't you think the big 10 has to help by not backloading the schedule every single year for Ohio state where you play Michigan state, Penn state, Michigan. I mean, the Buckeyes are not playing uh, a two game playoff at this point. It seems like the last five years, they played a six game playoff at the end of the year where they are playing all of their best in-conference opponents in November, and then they have to win the Big Ten, and then they have to go to the playoff. It's like, let's move that around. You don't see the SEC doing that to their schools, and I, I don't know why the Big Ten continues to put their elite programs in that position. That's a great point. That they, they haven't done it every year, Burn. I mean, last year was absolutely absurd, but – We've made a few trips to uh, Piscataway, New Jersey in November. There was yeah, a there's one, but you it's Michigan State, it's it's Michigan, it's Penn State, almost always in November or late October in in Happy Valley because they have to squeeze it in there so that they can get the night game in. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just I don't I don't see how the Big Ten scheduling can really do them all that many favors because if your if your league is that good, your schedule is going to be tough no matter when it is. Like the way it's set up for Ohio State this year, if everything goes by schedule, they basically have one marquee game anchoring every single month. I, like that would probably I think be that's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you could do it any different. Last year was absolutely awful. I'll give you that point. Going Penn State, Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin, that run to close the year. I, I don't know how that can happen. Well, I mean, LSU, LSU had a hell of a schedule last year too, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it goes back to performance on the field. And you got to go win your games. Well, and you have big games, so it's easy. For, you don't have to worry about your guys maybe having a Purdue moment. You know, it's like, hey, you got a big game. We got to come and, you know, we got Penn State. We got Wisconsin. It's, never, it's not going to change because you're always – I shouldn't say always, but you're probably always going to have Michigan at the end of the year. So the other two games in November are going to have to be somebody. You're not you're not going to play, you know, Rutgers and Maryland, and then go into Michigan. You know, it's just that that's just the way it's going to be. You don't want that Michigan game to be the second game of the year. You know, you always want that at the end of the year. That's the the game everybody looks to, and those other November games are just going to be where they fall, I guess. I think this year they might have actually, if you look at it, they caught a break a little bit, assuming that everything, again, goes on schedule. That Penn State game, that's always going to be circled as their whiteout, but I don't think that that's going to be possible for it to be played at noon. Now, this is a lot of moving pieces, but if everything was played as schedule, there's a World Series game that night. You have to assume that Fox is going to take that game. They want it. They want the early kickoff, the big noon kickoff. So I at the, at the worst, you'd think it'd be a 3.30 game. So, like – I mean, that's – they're talking about the schedule makers. Ohio State lucked into a good one there. You don't have to play Penn State at night this year. Well, I mean, that's turnabout's fair play after the last two times that that happened when <laughs> Penn State came back to Ohio State and yeah. couldn't play at night because of the big noon game last year and then two years ago because of the World Series. So, I don't know. It, it's interesting just from a perspective of how the expectation has completely changed. It's just if you're not in the playoff now, it's a failure as a season. And I don't think that – anybody inside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center is going to say it differently. I mean, they may not say it week to week, but when you look back, if you don't make the playoff that year for a program like Ohio State, with as much talent as they have, with, as, with the expectations they have, if you're not in the Final Four, then you failed. And, that, and that's what it's become, right? And it's become that because they changed it, right? And, and you can only win a national championship if you're in the college football playoff, right? And the kids know that. The coaches know that. That's why, they're, that's why it's a high-stress, you know, environment. It's why, you know, I love chaotic moments. Like, I was built for pandemics. <laughs> I thrive in it. You know what I'm saying? And so do they. But, you know, the kids know that. The coaches know that. They expect that. And guess what? They're going to play the schedule. You're not going to hear Ryan Day or Urban Meyer talk about the schedule, right, that being too tough. I mean, I think it made made our team better because you have to refocus, right? Like, it also goes – this goes back to the point of what we are talking about, Urban Meyer, to the ability to, to be up for all those big-time big, big time games, right? That's the, that's the difficulty. You know, having your guys ready to play back-to-back-to-back weeks is difficult as a leader, you know? So that's another example of why I don't think he underachieved. All right, you guys were always ready to play here on Monday for Letterman Live. We're going to let you get back to your own quarantines. Uh, had a, a bunch of other stuff we could have got to. Why? Talk about it. I don't care. Hey, 
We got hey, we still have th- probably three months of off season to go. So let's <laughs> yeah, we got a lot sometime, of money. Sometimes Schlegs, I'm gonna have to tap the brakes for you. We can't just go all <laughs> gas. I cut the line. <laughs> I cut the line. <laughs> Otherwise, we would just be sitting here, uh, in probably until August first, nonstop, because you wouldn't, you would never sit down or turn off the machine. But I'm, I'm going to do it down right now. <laughs> Justin Zwick, Anthony Schlegel, Jeremy Birmingham, thanks so much for joining us again here. Uh, this has been Letterman Live, brought to you by Roosters, a fun casual joint. Make sure that you hit them up, uh, get some takeout, some delivery. Uh, our good friends there, keep them rolling here as they support and give back uh, in Columbus and Ohio as a whole. Fried mac and cheese bites for Schlegs. They're, they're sitting there waiting for them. All day. Uh, appreciate the, uh, the time, guys. We'll see you right back here next week at Letterman Row. I'm Austin Ward. Bye-bye.